Welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. This past Sunday at Bethesda Church, we had a special time of corporate prayer where we broke into groups and prayed through the Acts model of prayer. Therefore, we have dug into our archives to bring you a past message from Pastor Roy on prayer. The title of today's message is Fervent Prayer, Effective Witness. We encourage you to open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4 and follow along with Pastor Roy. Today I want to talk a little bit about fervent prayer and effective witness. If you'll take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 4, uh, we just want to look at a few verses in Colossians chapter 4, uh, verses 2 through 6. As we are going to pray at the end of our service today for our Super Summer Jam Outreach, and I trust that you are praying for that on a regular basis, uh, because it will take a lot of prayer as well as a lot of energy, and just to encourage us in the aspect of prayer and our witness as we move toward the Super Summer Jam. Paul says this to the Colossian church, beginning in verse 2 of Colossians chapter 4, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I've basically put everything under two main points today. The first one being in regard to fervent prayer, our communication with God. Our communication with God, he says, is to devote yourselves to prayer. Dedication, in other words, in our prayer life. Devote means to be busily engaged in, to persist in, or to give constant attention to. I don't remember, but I remember listening to some advertisement on the radio, and at the end of their advertisement, and I, again, don't remember exactly what they were advertising, but what struck me was, at the very end of that little ad, it said, just remember, 1-800-NEED-HIM. 1-800-NEED-HIM. And that's what we are actually acknowledging when we come before the Lord We are acknowledging, God, I am inadequate for the task at hand today. Whether it's parenting, whether it's farming, whether it's selling insurance, whether it's working at the hospital, whatever it is, God, I am inadequate for today. And I acknowledge that by coming before him and acknowledging my inadequacy. I do that when I preach. God, I'm inadequate for the task. I don't have the ability... And I'm amazed at how God gives me the strength and the energy and the words to say to you that come from him. A regular habit of prayer, an attitude of dependency, living in unbroken fellowship and communion with the Lord, it is not easily done. And so let me ask us some questions. Do I have a set time and place where I pray? Do you have a set time and place where you pray? where you go to every day to pray and communicate with the Lord? Do I use a prayer list 
Do you have a list of people that you are praying for, fellow believers? And also, do I pray regularly for people who are lost? I had a guy I worked with in a bakery when I was 19 years of age. I still pray for him today. And I pray for his wife, too, that they'll come to Christ. It is absolutely vital that we pray for the lost. As we think about our Super Summer Jam outreach, we need to be praying that God will give an awareness to people that they even need him. Today, people are not even aware that they need him. It's kind of like a child when they eat a lot of sugar. What happens to their appetite? (laughs) They don't have one anymore. They eat a big bowl of ice cream, and then a half hour later at supper time, and, Mom, I'm not hungry. You're not what? After I slaved over this meal, you're not hungry? And the reason they're not is because they've satisfied their appetite with something less than what they really needed. And that's where our culture is today, is it not? People have satisfied their hunger with something else other than God. And now they have no awareness that they even need him. And that's what we need to be praying for, that they would have an awareness of their sin and an awareness of the holiness of God, that he calls you and I to live a holy life. And he knows that we can't do that apart from a relationship with Jesus. And yet he calls us to be dedicated and devoted to prayer. Do I pray for the leaders of our country? I mean, look at what is happening in our world, in our country. We just had Minnesota vote in the acceptance of gay marriage, and Iowa looking at the same thing, and state after state looking at that, and yet that is in direct violation to the Word of God. And we have young people who are embracing that kind of idea into their life. Why? Because they're saying that's what the culture wants. And and we're not to be judgmental and, and all these things that we are saying. And yet the scripture is very clear of where God's heart is on that issue. And so if you want to know how should I respond as a Christian, God's word tells us how to respond as a Christian. The way God responds Romans chapter 1 tells us God's view on that issue. And it hasn't changed in the 21st century. And we love those people and we want to love them to Jesus, but we love them enough to tell them the truth. The truth. Because that's what will set them free. And we speak the truth in love. We pray for our state. We pray, what about for Bethesda Church? We have a prayer meeting at 8.30 every Sunday morning. And I know some of you have a lot of young children. I know how it is getting young children ready for church. And that's your task is just getting here, you know, can be a task. But there's other of you that have children that are grown. And you could be here and you could be engaging and showing a dedication to not just prayer. I'm not saying you're not dedicated to prayer. Don't get me wrong. Just because you're not here at prayer meeting doesn't mean you're not dedicated to prayer. But what I am saying is the corporate prayer aspect is being lost in our culture. And we need to get back to that. I'm challenged every time I think about the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church in New York. Pastor Jim Cimbala, if you've not read the book Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, put it on your reading list. They have every Tuesday night thousands of people 
gather in their church to pray because they believe. And he will not, Jim Cimbala, the pastor, will not schedule himself to be away where he misses two of those in a row because he believes in corporate prayer. When David Jeremiah, years ago, back in the 90s, developed cancer, do you know who he called to ask for prayer? Jim Cimbala. Because he said, there you are a church who prays. If we are going to expect God to move in our midst, we've got to be people of prayer. And I want to encourage us in that. Do I pray with and for fellow believers in Christ? Instead of just telling them you're going to pray for them, why don't you actually take a moment and pray for them? Even out in the lobby after church. You know, you're allowed to pray in the lobby. (laughs) It's allowed after church. Church is not really over. And you could actually, if somebody shares with you or you know somebody has a need or a burden, you know what, you say, let's just go over here and let's pray about that right now. To be a praying church, to realize that God hears and answers prayer, and it makes a difference. Do I pray with my family? Dads, are you praying with your family? Or do you say, son, you need to pray. You need to pray. Or are you leading the example in praying with your kids, in praying with your spouse? How important it is that we do that. That's the leadership that God is calling us to. Just as these young couples today brought their children to, about praying for their children, it is crucial. Philippians 4, 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He says, in everything by prayer and supplication. You know, I was convicted when I started dating my wife, and she actually prayed about finding parking spaces open. I'm like, you're kidding me. I never thought about praying for open parking spaces. I mean, it just blew my mind. I mean, that's praying about everything. Um, And she prayed for a good husband. I don't know what God did there. But anyhow, he does hear and answer prayer. Not only dedication, but secondly, determination. To stick with it. It is so easy to start off sprinting and we forget we're in a marathon. There are, are there not people that you could look around this morning and say, you know, I remember so-and-so used to be in church. I remember so-and-so used to be tracking with God. So-and-so used to have a, a passion to serve God. And they don't see it anymore. Uh, what has happened to television series are they get shorter and shorter. There are more new television series coming out. People get tired of the same old, same old. And, and we want something new and different and quick. And if the Internet's not, you know, up there in a second, you know, we want quickness. And we need to learn to stick to it, to be determined. We're in it for the long haul Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. And in the original language, it means to ask and keep on asking. To seek and keep on seeking. To knock and keep on knocking. Don't stop. Ceaseless. 
asking God. Don't allow weariness to throw a wet blanket on your prayer life. It cannot merely be self-determination either. And I would encourage you and challenge you, what do you do on Sunday afternoon? What do you do on Sunday afternoon? It's the Lord's day, right? Not the Lord's hour. I would challenge you to set aside a block of time to pray. Set aside a block of time to read the scripture. It's the Lord's day. And what has happened is Satan is robbing the church of a day that God has given to us. A whole day to set aside to do what? Focus on him. And I can tell you in my own life, I've been guilty of turning on the television, watching sporting events, but I can tell you the television doesn't come on now. And because I have a higher priority to focus on the Lord. And we are trying as a family, this has been something we've been working on in the last few months, is trying to make it more of the Lord's day. And it's been a challenge to my own heart to do that as a dad and to lead. And, and we pull out uh, books and, and, and to challenge our boys in areas that they need to be challenged in. But it's a whole day that God has given to us. And we say, you know, I don't have time to do that. And God has given us a whole day to do some of those things. Third thing is concentration. Watch in prayer. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful, to stay awake, to be alert, to be active. We have to fight off distractions from our mind. We can be in an attitude of prayer, and the next thing we know, we're somewhere else. <laughs> you know, oh, I forgot to thaw the chicken for, you know, supper. I forgot to do this. I forgot. And legitimate things can distract us. You know, it seems like that moment you want to pray, the phone rings. Or somebody, you know, a knock at the door. Or whatever it is. So there's constantly challenges to concentrate. I'm reminded of the story of Janice Munson and her husband, Dan. They were on a shopping trip in Littleton, Colorado, when they came up behind a silver minivan that was moving really, really slowly on the road, The minivan, though, had swerved off to the shoulder and then onto oncoming traffic. Janice glanced into the minivan and was startled to see that the driver appeared to be asleep. Dan engaged his flashers and he began waving his arms and blinking his headlights to warn approaching traffic that there was a vehicle going the wrong way. Janice knew she had to act, and instead of even speaking to her husband, she jumped out of the vehicle and ran up alongside that silver minivan because it was moving so slow, and she looked in and she noticed the driver was asleep. And so she jerked open the door and she got in and pushed the person off the driver's seat and she put the thing in park and stopped the vehicle. Later, she found out as they took that person to the hospital that that person was in diabetic shock and had passed out. And I thought, you know, how many people are not in diabetic shock, but they've been shocked by the culture to not pray anymore. That it doesn't make a difference, and we've fallen asleep at the wheel 
with our families, with our church, with our culture, and we need to wake back up and have an awareness of that. Jesus, when he came to the disciples, he found them sleeping, it says in Matthew twenty six forty, And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, he said, that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. I am convinced that when this, uh, the, the devil begins to tempt us as believers, if we would stop right at that moment and offer up a short prayer, we could have victory over that temptation. God, help me not to click on that internet site. Help me not to click on that. Help me not to do that. Help me not to think that kind of thought. Help me not to use that kind of language. Whatever it would be, God can help us if we take it to him in prayer. But concentration is needed. No one, C.S. Lewis said, No one in his senses, if he has the power of ordering his own day, would reserve his chief prayers for bedtime. Obviously, the worst possible hour for any action which needs concentration is at bedtime. Now, I'm not saying don't pray at bedtime, because I think that's a good time, but don't make that the chief time when you're ready to fall asleep. My own plan, he says, when hard-pressed, is to seize at any time and place, however unsuitable, in preference to the last waking moment. The body ought to pray as well as the head. I see they're having a little problem with the PowerPoint. I don't know what happened, but... Anyhow, we must be having a problem. So, sorry about that. Corey Ten Boom says, The most important question is not how much work is being done, but how much Jesus is doing through you. Look up. God's ceiling is unlimited. Learn to look on Jesus, and more and more you will find that Jesus is directing your wandering look toward the Holy Spirit. The fourth one we need to consider this morning. Notice he says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Four is appreciation. A spirit of thankfulness for all God has done, for answers to prayer. I'm always convicted when I talk to my prayer warrior friend in Virginia. He has at times, in, in just recent days, when I've, he prays for me every time we're on the telephone. And he actually, the last time I talked to him on the phone, which was in the last couple of weeks, he actually thanked the Lord for an answer to prayer that happened a year ago. I was like, man, that's amazing. He, he not only remembers, I mean, he thanks God for it. I mean, he is so committed to prayer, and he remembers answers to prayer. He says, you have to thank God. Don't just thank him once. He said, thank him over and over and over and over for what he's done. Paul thought, caught that idea in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven. but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians nine fifteen, he says, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. The second aspect I want to challenge us with this morning is not only prayer, which prayer is absolutely essential if we're going to be an effective witness, by the way. Fervent prayer 
effective witness. So we have our communication with God, and secondly, our conversation with others. Notice what Paul says down in verse 3. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Paul asked for prayer, for his conversation with others. We need that kind of prayer. As we go into the Super Summer Jam, we need prayer for one another. And what are we praying for? An openness to the message of the gospel. Opportunity. The first thing we want to pray about is opportunity. That God would give us an opportunity to share the gospel. And you know what God may do? He may give us unique opportunities that are not on the schedule. And the reason I say that, I shared with the Super Summer Jam committee the other night we had a meeting. And I shared with them how I started a good news club at our church uh, years ago when I lived in Ohio for boys and girls. And I went out and I looked for swing sets and play sets in the yard because I knew they had children. And that's the homes I would target and I would go to those homes because it was opportunity to talk to them and say, bring your children. And there was one single mom who had three children who was not in church. She brought her three children every week. And the amazing thing was, a couple of those kids gave their lives to Christ, and then I went off to college. I came back from college, and she came to the church looking for me. And I had no idea what had transpired. And she was in a panic. And she said, you remember meeting my brother. Her brother was there when I invited them to the Good News Club. And she says, you remember him? And I said, yes, I do. And at 36 years of age, he had a massive heart attack and died. I had an opportunity. I got my mom, because I was single. I went over to her house, and I sat down with her and the woman who lost her husband. And I opened the Bible, and I was able to share the gospel. Why? Because of a good news club. I was trying to reach kids. And, but through that, I was able to share with adults. And so we do not know the opportunities that God has for us through the Super Summer Jam as we pray and seek the Lord. We don't know what God is going to do. What we need to know is be aware. Aware of what God wants to do. I wish I could tell you that both those ladies gave their heart and life to Christ that day, but they didn't. But I can tell you one of them's in my dad's church today. And that was years ago. And so we have the opportunity. Our responsibility is to give out the seed. We can't win anybody. We would be faithful to give out the seed. There are lots of opportunities I'm reminded of Carolee Erickson in her biography of Marie Antoinette. She tells about the queen's attempt to disguise herself and attend parties, dances, and balls incognito. But her walk gave her away. 
When she walked, she strode like a man. Her swift, purposeful gait was her trademark. It was said she could never successfully disguise herself to her identity at mass balls, for no matter how she dressed, she still walked like an empress. And that should be true of us as well. If we are looking for opportunities, our walk should be a giveaway to a lost world. That person marches to the beat of a different drum. They have a different order about them. And I want to know what that is. And the gospel becomes attractive when we walk differently and we talk differently. Openness, opportunity. Secondly is clarity. Clarity. That can be a challenge when you're overseas. I have had the opportunity to teach and preach with interpreters, and boy, is that a challenge to have clarity. I remember one man told me that uh, one pastor that I met with in his home, he shared with me that somebody was giving a message one day, and when he was up giving the message, the young man tried to explain when he was a little boy, he was telling the audience that he tried to, to actually fly one day, and he built these things for his arms, and, and he jumped off his bed trying to fly. Well, the congregation got a huge laugh out of it, and they, he didn't know why. Why they got such a reaction that he tried to fly as a little boy and jump off the bed, and the pastor confessed back at the house after the service that he didn't say jump off the bed. He said, you jumped off a balcony. And so, clarity. <laughs> you never know what an interpreter is going to say um, when you're overseas. But clarity is absolutely vital. And you and I, when we are sharing the gospel, we have to make sure we incorporate all the aspects of the gospel. We have to start with helping them understand that they are lost, that they have sin in their life. And they have to understand that they have violated God's law. And because they have violated his law and they have sin in their life, they need to confess that sin to God and seek forgiveness for their sin. And Jesus paid the price on the cross of Calvary that they could be forgiven. It is vital that we incorporate all those aspects of the gospel and that they invite Christ into their life. And the reason they have guilt in their life is because they have violated his law and they need Jesus. But Jesus paid the price for their sin that they could be forgiven. The clarity has to be there when we share. Paul said in Philippians 1.12, Now I want you to know, brothers, as he's sharing with them in Philippi, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. If you and I really believe in the sovereignty of God that we talked about a few weeks ago, that means that everything that happens to us serves to advance the gospel. It serves God's enterprise and God's plan for redemption is that you and I, everything that happens to us, horrible things, good things, serves to advance the gospel. Because where was Paul? He was in prison, right? He was in prison. And he said, I want you to know that this prison experience I could sit and wallow in self-pity. God, where are you? What's going on? What is this all about? 
Have you left me? He said, no, it has served to advance the gospel. And then he said, listen, as a result of him sharing the gospel, it has become clear, clarity, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And notice in our passage in Colossians, verse 4, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Clarity. And Paul was in prison in Colossae as well. As Paul closes this uh, letter to Philippi, he sends a special greeting, and he says, All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. No doubt when he mentions Caesar's household, he is referencing the guards, the palace guards, with whom Paul had been in contact during his imprisonment. People who had come to Christ as a result of his opportunity and his clarity. And the third thing that I want us to know in in regard, and I do see a distinction between this, is the third one is integrity. Integrity means that we share all of the gospel. We don't water it down. We don't compromise it. We don't preach it harshly, but we preach it, preach it truthfully. And that's crucial that we have integrity in what we say. Paul's prayer was that the eyes would be opened. He says in Acts twenty six eighteen that they would be turned from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. To have integrity in sharing the gospel, there is one factor that is crucial. Boldness. Boldness. We cannot shy away from sharing what somebody doesn't want to hear. And somebody may get angry or upset because they don't want to hear it. If you remember when Stephen gave his sermon in Acts chapter 7, they became furious and gnashed their teeth at him and stoned him. So people will get angry because the cross is a stumbling block and is an offense to those who don't believe. But yet it is the what? The power of God to everyone who believes. He goes on to say in our passage, in verse 5, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity, as we've talked about. Be wise in the way we act toward outsiders. We should be growing in wisdom and skill in how we share the gospel. We should not stay the same. We should be looking and thinking about ways to connect with others who need to hear the message of truth. Wisdom does not come automatically. In fact, somebody once said that age doesn't always bring wisdom. Sometimes wisdom, or I mean, sometimes age comes alone. <laughs> and we don't have it. 
Somebody else once quipped that there are those who are wise and those who are otherwise, <laughs> if you know what I mean. One of my desires and passions for Bethesda Church is for us to grow in wisdom. I am becoming more and more convinced that we need to start a Bible institute in this church. I think, as I think about the future of this church, the legacy of this church, the impact of this church for years to come, I really believe that we need a Bible institute so that we have more training, equipping, so we can engage the culture. And in particular, I'm thinking of those, and don't take this wrong, older generation. Many of you have served many years and are faithful, and I praise God for you, but you're not going to be around forever, and neither am I. I am absolutely convinced that those of you who are 40 and under, and I just use that as kind of a cutoff, that you're going to have to pick up the mantle, and you're going to have to decide what is the priority going to be in my life. Is it going to be the gospel? Is it going to be the things that God has communicated to us in special revelation that we've talked about? And if it is, we have got to do what is necessary to pass this on to the next generation. I think it's vital to the future influence of this church. And I would like you to join me in prayer about that as we give prayer and thought to that and put flesh to that. I'm just convinced. I want to see this church thrive. When I'm put in the ground, I want to be able to, I don't know if I'll be able to see from heaven or not or how all that works, but I want to be able to look down and see Bethesda Church thriving for God. I want to see the young people that are now my age Look at him. Look at her. Look at that testimony. Look at that life. Look at that witness. Look at the prayer that is going on. Look at how they're engaging the culture for Christ. That's what I want. That's my prayer. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. Would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy.org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.